welcome to the broadcast today. Today is Wednesday, March 23rd, and I am Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, a national and international radio and television ministry, heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Well, we have been praying for Dan Celia. Dan has had this uh, this time slot from uh, 8 to 10 for a good while on American Family Radio, and he got uh, COVID pneumonia uh, a while ago, back in uh, probably the end of January, first part of February, he went into the hospital. He's been on a respirator for many weeks now, and so uh, we're having a special time of prayer and fasting for Dan. Wednesday, today, tomorrow, and Friday. And you can find out more about his situation if you go to FISM.TV. F, like Frank, ISM.TV. It will tell you more about these days of prayer and fasting for Dan and just asking God to bring healing. And we know that God is in control. You know, life hits us with things that uh, are hard to understand. But in the end, we know, God, you're in control of all things, and God, you are the healer, and you use people and doctors to heal, but you are ultimately Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, and so we trust you no matter what. And so we want to be praying for Dan, and uh, I encourage you to go to that website, FISM.TV, and find out more about how you can lift him up. There are specific things they want us to pray for on Monday or on Wednesday, and then on Thursday, and then on Friday as we fast and pray for his healing. Well, I want to talk to you today about uh, something that is very basic, but very, very important, very important in the Christian life. And that is this, growing up in Jesus Christ. You know, the sad reality is for this, this is the truth for many people. They come to know Christ and it is genuine and it's true and they really do get saved but then there's a disconnect. They, they, they don't grow in the Lord. And the Bible speaks of spiritual growth, much like uh, physical life, spiritual life, physical life. There, there are similarities there. When we are born into this world, we're born an infant, obviously, and uh, we can't do anything for ourselves. And so our moms, our dads, they, what do they do? They, they uh, take care of us and mom feeds us and they change us and uh, a little baby from zero to six months, the little baby doesn't do much. I have a little grandson, our first grandson. I had three girls and then two granddaughters. So just all my life has been uh, girls, girls, girls. And we got our first grandson on uh, July 14th of 21, 7, 14, 21 is little Jack's birthday. And it was so cool to have a little boy in the family. And uh, my daughter, Amy, is doing a great job and her husband, Travis, taking care of little Jack. But for the first six months, uh, he, he the baby doesn't do much other than sleep and eat and make messes and cry. And uh, you have to do everything for that little one. And the goal is you go from milk, whether it's mother's milk or it's bottled milk, you go from milk to some kind of pablum to some kind of solid food. You get them off the bottle, so to speak. You get them off diapers. You train up this little one so that they can grow and mature. It, you know, little babies are so sweet 
and they're so precious and you see them there and when they're, um, you know, in their diapers and cleaned up and then they're, you know, taking the bottle, it's, it's uh, just such a sweet little sight. But it's not sweet to see them at seven years old, still in diapers, uh, still on the bottle. A uh, seven-year-old doing that would be very abnormal. A 15-year-old doing that, uh, extremely abnormal. Something is wrong if you don't grow up. But that's precisely the case for so many Christians. The Bible gives us a command, the last verse in Second Peter, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, in churches all over America, we have uh, Christians who are still in diapers, whether they've been saved a year or three years or five years or 10 years or 20 years. Uh, they may be deacons. They may be Sunday school teachers. They may sing in the choir, but they're still spiritually carnal. That's what the, the scripture that or the verse in 1 Corinthians 3, are you not still fleshly? Are you not still carnal? And we have a, a name for that. We call them carnal Christians, a Christian who is still in the flesh, a Christian who is who hasn't grown up. And so that's not a new thing. That has been around since the birth of the church. I was talking to my friend Bob Tebow yesterday, and uh, Bob is the father of Tim Tebow, and incidentally, we're uh, hoping to have Tim on the broadcast uh, in the next few days and uh, to talk about the new book he's got coming out, talk about faith and family and football, and we're looking forward to having him. But I was talking to Bob, and I asked him about somebody uh, that uh, they were uh, that they had known that had come to Christ, uh, that, that Tim had led this person to Christ. And I said, uh, how is so-and-so doing? And he, he, Bob said this to me, and Bob has the Bob Tebow Evangelistic Association, a dynamic Christian and such a heart for evangelism, has done great work in the Philippines. I love Bob and Pam. But uh, Bob said to me, you know, this guy, he knows about salvation, but he's not very far along in sanctification. He doesn't seem to know much about sanctification. That's just a kind of a theological way of saying he's not growing. He, he might be saved. Sometimes it's hard to know if that person is saved because if, if you're a baby in diapers and you have no growth, then you start to wonder, have you really been saved? Because it seems like you we would see changes. But now the scripture says this, because like I told you, this isn't a this isn't a new thing to have people saved and not to see spiritual growth. This is what the writer of Hebrews said concerning him. Speaking of Jesus, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for by this time you ought to be teachers for by this time, you ought to be teachers, you have, um, let me say that again, for though by this time, you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant, he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Now it says that 
everyone who partakes only of milk, the milk of the word, that's a, that's a baby on the bottle. And, and that's okay when you're a baby to be on the bottle. Well, Peter says, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow with respect to salvation. But if you can only take milk, that means you're not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Uh, milk is associated with babies. The, the milk of the word is associated with new believers, and that's all they can stomach. They can't handle solid food. And it says they're not accustomed to the word of righteousness. That means they're inexperienced with the word of righteousness. Now, for every Christian, I think about my own life. I became a Christian when I was 17 years old. I am 59 years old. So 42 years uh, after my salvation experience, well, I, I have gotten accustomed to the word of righteousness. But when I was 17, I wasn't accustomed to the word of righteousness. It took time. And I, it took time in the word so that I could become familiar with it. And uh, so I wasn't inexperienced with it. You know, we, we grow as we spend time with the scripture, as we spend time with the Lord in prayer, as we spend time in church, as we spend time uh, talking to people about Jesus, all those things are growing experiences. I had the wonderful privilege on Monday. Monday, I, I got to the church and got ready for the broadcast on Monday. And then I had a funeral that was the broadcast is, as you know, broadcast comes on at 8.05. And, and then I had a funeral at 10 and I, I conducted the funeral. And then I came back to the church at 11 and a lady was waiting for me. Um, she had been visiting the church and, uh, with a friend of hers. And, um, and this friend is a member of our church, and this friend was bringing her to church, and she had been coming for the last three months. Uh, she had a Catholic background, which I have a Catholic background, and uh, she had questions, and she really likes our church, and she really responded uh, well. She was tracking with my preaching, and she had questions, and, and she said to me, she said, you know, I don't seem to have what other people have. She said, people talk about hearing from God and she said, I, I don't, I don't ever do that. And she said, people, you know, talk about this closeness they have with Jesus. And she said, I don't have that. And I, I said to her, I said, well, in my experience growing up in the Catholic church and not dogging Catholics, I'm just saying this was my experience. I said, I was taught the right things about the Lord that Jesus is God, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that Jesus performed all these mighty miracles, but he, the reason he came was to die on the cross for our sins, and then he rose again bodily from the grave. I said, I believed all of that. I believed all the core of the gospel, but it was all just in my head. It wasn't in my heart. It was just facts on a page. I believed in Jesus like uh, many people believe in George Washington. You know, I don't know anybody... Uh, that says, well, I don't believe George Washington was a real person. I, I doubt everything about George Washington. Well, we believe about George Washington, but we believe in our heads about him. George Washington doesn't do anything for your life or my life. He's just a guy on the pages of history. And, and that's the way it is for so many people with regard to Jesus. They believe in Jesus in their mind, in their head. 
But salvation comes when you give Jesus your heart, when you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You know, James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, the bond slave, as he puts it, the, the doulos of the Lord, uh, he says this, do you believe that God is one or do you believe in God? You know, so many, so many people, you ask them, hey, are you a Christian? Well, I believe in God. Well, James says, do you believe in God? whoop de doo uh, It's kind of a loose paraphrase. He says, good for you. The demons also believe and tremble. Hey, the devil is not an atheist. Demons are not atheists. They believe in God. They know who Jesus is. When Jesus encountered a demon-possessed person, that demon spoke through that person and said, we know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. So the demons know that Jesus is God. They know that Jesus died on a cross for our sins. They know he rose again from the dead. They know all that stuff, but they're not going to heaven. It's all just in their head, so to speak. They just check the boxes, but they don't, they hate Jesus. They don't trust him with anything. The devil doesn't trust the Lord. Salvation comes when you trust the Lord. And so I was able to lead this 70-year-old lady, dear, dear, sweet lady. I was able to lead her to faith in Christ. And then I told her, I said, now what you need to do, a couple things, you need to get baptized to give a testimony that you belong to Jesus. And I said, you need to spend time in the word of God. And I gave her a little uh, program to go through. I said, read the gospel of John. I said, the gospel of John is 21 chapters. I said, read for depth and not for distance. What does that mean? It means just read a chapter a day of the gospel of John. Don't try and read five chapters. The problem with reading five chapters for many of us is we don't remember what we read. I told her, I said, it is better to read five verses and really have those verses speak to your heart than to read five chapters and can't remember anything. So read for depth, not for distance. And as you begin to spend time in the Word of God, you start to get accustomed to the Word of God. You start to hear what the Lord says. And the Bible is uh, an incredible book because it is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the breath of God upon it. You read other books, but the Bible reads you and reads me. And it is milk, it is meat, it is bread, it is food for our souls. Hey, we're talking about growing up in Jesus. We're talking about spending time in the Word of God. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. 
So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hi, folks. My name is Seth Udinsky. I'm the producer for Financial Issues with Dan Celia. As Dan recovers in the hospital, the team at FISM would like to invite you to join us in prayer and fasting for Dan's healing. And folks, this idea of prayer and fasting can sometimes be a little bit of a scary thing for Christians, especially the whole concept of fasting. Obviously, you could certainly fast from food, but you can also fast in other ways as well. You know, the purpose of fasting is really for us to orient our hearts around God and to focus on the fact that we need him. This Wednesday, March the 23rd, we will be praying for healing over Dan's body. And on Thursday, March the 24th, we will be praying specifically for the doctors and nurses caring for Dan. On Friday, March the 25th, we will pray for comfort for Dan's family. Join us, folks, as we pray and fast for Dan. And for more information about Dan's road to recovery and how you can pray specifically for him, go to FISM.tv forward slash pray and fast. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family, And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may he give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. Welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. We're talking today about growing up in the Lord Jesus Christ, but grow, Peter says, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Hebrews tells us that there were some in the fellowship that should have been teachers, but they had need again for someone to teach them the ABCs of the Christian life, the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And the writer says, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews was, perhaps it was Paul or Paulus, we're not sure. But the the writer says, you've come to need milk and not solid food. You you shouldn't still be on the, the bottle. You're not, you, you've, you should have grown past that. Why are you a why are you a five year old believer and you're still on the bottle like you're a five month old believer? You've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So as we spend time in the word of God, as I said, the word of God is, it's a meal for your soul. It is milk 
long for the pure milk of the word that by it we may grow with respect to salvation. But it's also likened to bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it is meat. It is solid food, the meat of the word. And we're supposed to indulge in the word and spend time in the word and feast on the word because God speaks primarily through his word. Now, of course, he speaks in sermons as we preach his word. He speaks through songs. We've all had songs that just, boy, that comes on and it speaks uh, to your heart. One of the ones for me that has spoken to my heart over the years, it was a specific time in my life where I desperately needed to hear this. It's the old hymn that says, if we with ink the ocean filled and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretch from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. That song speaks to my heart. And when I heard that at a particular time many, many years ago, it's as if the Lord just took it and he was the one to sing that directly to me. And he was just reminding me of his love. And so God speaks through sermons. He speaks through teaching. He speaks through music. He speaks through friends. He speaks through family. But he speaks primarily through his word. And here's the wonderful thing. See, when you become a Christian, what happens when a person puts repents of sin, turns from sin, and trusts Christ? The Holy Spirit comes to live inside. As I told that dear lady that uh, prayed to receive Christ with me in my office on Monday, 70-year-old uh, lady, I said, I said the, the Holy Spirit comes in, and, and religion is an outside job. It's you grit your teeth, you try hard to clean yourself up. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, who were religious to the nth degree, and the religious leaders, he said, you guys clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside it's dirty. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but inside you're full of rottenness and death. And so you got to clean the inside. And how do you do that? The scripture says, though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, yet the stain of your iniquity is before me, declares the Lord. Only Jesus can clean the inside. Only what can wash away my sins, the song says, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so when we turn from sin and turn to the Savior, we're basically saying, Lord, save me. The blood you shed on the cross, apply it to my sin-stained heart and cleanse me, forgive me of all my sins. And a person that does that, the Lord responds and the Lord forgives and the Lord comes to live inside that person through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, if you get real, real technical, Jesus ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he told the disciples, he said, it, it is to your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit won't come to you. And who is the Holy Spirit? He is one just like me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. And the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus, was going away, and he was sending the third person of the Trinity to come and live in our hearts. And this is why he said it's better that he goes away to have the Holy Spirit come 
And the Holy Spirit came 10 days after Jesus' ascension on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't live inside of the disciples. He was there with the disciples. He walked with the disciples. They could rub shoulders with him. They could hear him. They could touch him. They could laugh with him and talk with him. But he didn't live on the inside. And so when uh, when they went in John chapter 4, when they went into the city to buy food, Jesus was not with them. He was alone at the well talking to the woman at the well. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said, he will be with you and he will be in you, in you. And that's why it's better because now the Lord, he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's with me always by the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ is in my heart and in every believer's heart. We have an anointing from God, John says in 1 John. And uh, we don't have need of anybody to teach us because the Holy Spirit will teach us. And as we spend time in the Word of God, we can just ask Him, Lord, teach me. I don't want to get uh, sidetracked by error. I don't want to believe wrong things. And we find solid teachers that can help us and keep us uh, grounded in right thinking because any new, I mean, a new baby needs people that uh, love him, love her and, and guide them along the, the way of, of righteousness. And so I have had teachers like that in my life and we desperately need that. But uh, the Holy Spirit lives inside. The author of the book called the Bible lives on the inside. And as we pray and as we spend time in the word, he will be faithful to guide us in the truth. And that is so critical. That's how you grow. You spend time in the word. Now it says this, Hebrews 5.14, solid food, meat, is for the mature person who because of practice has his senses trained to discern good and evil. Practice. It takes practice. You gotta, if you're going to get proficient at anything in life, you have to practice. It, it, nobody is a, a great piano player because they played for uh, three times for 10 minutes. I mean, you, you have to practice. We've had people on our broadcast, my good friend Doyle Dykes, who is a phenomenal guitar player. Well, he practiced hours and hours and hours. A couple of weeks ago, we had Phil Kagey on the broadcast, another phenomenal guitar player. Well, he practiced hours and hours and hours for years and years and years. And how do we grow in the Christian life? We practice. We spend time in the word. We pray and we grow. It says solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. I love that word trained. The word trained is the Greek word gymnazo. We get from gymnazo the word gymnasium. And, uh, when the writer was talking about training and he uses that word gymnazo, it would conjure up in the minds of the people, okay, the gymnazo, that's where the guys went to work out. And, and as weird as it may seem, in the first century, they would go to the, the gyms and they would train stripped down. Uh, some say train naked. I'd like to think they kept something on, but they're stripped down for training. You know, you see like a, a sumo wrestler or somebody in, in, you know, some kind of wrestling or some kind of, you know, track and field. They're just wearing, they're stripped down. They don't have heavy clothing on. And how do we uh, train spiritually? 
we have to strip down before the Lord. Not physically, I'm talking about spiritually. We have to get honest before the Lord. God can't do anything in a dishonest heart. You have to be honest. People who go to the counselor, what's, what's the, the critical component if you're going to get better? You have to be honest. If you're not honest, the counselor can't help you. If you're not as honest with God, how is God going to help you? And how foolish it is to not be honest with God about where you are spiritually. You know, we like to put lipstick on a pig. We like to dress up our sin. We like to make it uh, to where it doesn't sound so bad. It is bad. And we need to just be honest about that. Uh, when the Bible says, confess your sins to the Lord, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess in the Greek, homo legeo, 1 John 1, 9, homo legeo. Homo means the same, legeo means to say. Confession is you say the same thing that God says about your sin. You're honest before the Lord about what you've done, about where you are, about your feelings, about the frustrations that you have, about the fears that you have, about the, the, uh, maybe the disillusionment that you're feeling. You get honest before the Lord. Lord, I, I'm feeling this way, and Lord, I feel so lonely, and Lord, I'm having such a a, a terrible struggle, and Lord, I'm I, I'm I'm jealous about this person uh, in my family or in my workplace or in in my life, and and I don't want to be this way, but I am this way. God, help me. We get honest before the Lord. We we strip down, and we're we're just transparent and vulnerable before the Lord. Psalm 62, verse 8, trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. How do you grow in the Lord? You get honest before him, and you learn in prayer to pour out your heart to him. Don't tell God what you think he wants to hear. Tell him what's really going on. And listen, as we spend time in his word, and as we pray and as we get real and get honest and get vulnerable before the Lord, that's how we grow close to him. That's how we mature in him. That's how we go from milk to bread to meat. Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained. Now watch this. It says to discern good and evil to be able to distinguish between good and evil. Sometimes we think, well, that's, a, that's an easy way. I mean, anybody can discern between good and evil. Oh, not so. Sometimes the devil is slick and the devil is, uh, he's more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the devil can come to you and come to me with something that looks good, that sounds good. But when you're uh, senses are trained through the Word of God. You can sense when this is not right. Uh, we we kind of talk about having spidey senses. You know, you just all of a sudden it's like, ah, there's, there's something not right here. I don't know what it is, but something is not right. Your senses are trained to discern good and evil. And it's interesting in the Greek language, good and evil. Good is the word kakos, uh, kalos, I'm sorry, K-A-L-O-S. That's the word for good, kalos. The word for evil is kakos, K-A-K-O-S. K 
Kalos and Kakos, those are real similar words. Just one letter difference. And sometimes that's what it can be between good and evil. And, and we, we uh, have a decision before us and we need discernment from the Lord. Lord, help me to know uh, what, which direction I'm supposed to go in because I want to, uh, I want to follow you. And the enemy is trying to deceive and what may look good on the outside, Jesus said, don't judge uh, by appearance sake, but judge with righteous judgment. The more time you spend with the Lord, the more time you'll be able to discern what is good and what is evil. What is a good friendship and what is a friendship that's going to take me down the wrong path? Uh, for you who are not married, when you go out on a date or you uh, start to, to get attracted to this person, be careful because uh, if you start to fall for the wrong person that, that's not going to build you up in the Lord but pull you away from the Lord, you want to start early saying, that's not a good relationship for me. I need to stay away from this because if you get too far down the road in a bad relationship, um, your heart gets entangled and it's very difficult to disentangle yourself from that. Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Now, when you read the Bible, what are you supposed to, how are you supposed to do that? Are there questions to ask before you read? Uh, it's good to read with a, with a notebook and a pen. It's good to jot things down. It's good to underline. It's good to star things. And it's good before you read to say, God, this is your word. I believe it's your word. This, is, uh, this book is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So God, speak to my heart today and ask yourself these questions as you read. Is there a command to obey? Secondly, is there an example to follow? You know, you read a narrative. You read about David. You read about... Uh, some of the Old Testament characters. What did they do well? Is there an example to follow? Is there a promise to claim? Uh, Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. That's a promise to claim. Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a principle to apply? Those are good questions to ask. Hey, we're talking about how to grow in the Lord, and uh, we're getting ready to take a quick break. But when we come back, I would love to talk to you about this subject. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. And uh, call into the broadcast. Let's visit about this important subject of growing in the Lord, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll be right back after the break. Don't go away. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a 
powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. thegodwhospeaks.org the following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hi folks, my name is Seth Udinsky. I'm the producer for Financial Issues with Dan Celia. As Dan recovers in the hospital, the team at FISM would like to invite you to join us in prayer and fasting for Dan's healing. And folks, this idea of prayer and fasting can sometimes be a little bit of a scary thing for Christians, especially the whole concept of fasting. Obviously, you could certainly fast from food, but you can also fast in other ways as well. You know, the purpose of fasting is really for us to orient our hearts around God and to focus on the fact that we need him. This Wednesday, March the 23rd, we will be praying for healing over Dan's body. And on Thursday, March the 24th, we will be praying specifically for the doctors and nurses caring for Dan. On Friday, March the 25th, we will pray for comfort for Dan's family. Join us, folks, as we pray and fast for Dan. And for more information about Dan's road to recovery and how you can pray specifically for him, go to FISM.TV forward slash pray and fast. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. We're talking about how to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Solid food, the scripture said, is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. We're taking your calls. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. And we have Frank from Kentucky on the broadcast. Frank, go ahead. Uh, yes, uh, brother man. Uh, I, I know it's kind of off topic, but uh, I, what I'm trying to say is, I very seldom, in fact, I don't ever hear it at all, especially on American Family Radio, uh, about uh, when Jesus went to that whipping post, 39 stripes. I know it's off topic, but I very seldom get a chance to even mention it because nobody's get close to that topic. So I, I, I really. I, really feel that that should be mentioned. They mostly talk about the cross, which is, which is fine. 
but they never talk about the 39 stripes that he that he suffered. So I would really like to hear, hear somebody say something about the 39 stripes. Yeah. Well, we're not sure how many they gave him. You know, the, the Jews, Paul said five times he was uh, beaten with he he was beaten and and received thirty nine stripes. The Jews couldn't give more than the law. It says you can't give more than forty lashes, and so they took one off uh, thirty nine because they didn't want to come too close to the edge. Uh, the Romans scourged Jesus so they wouldn't be under the Jewish law. We don't know how many uh, how many stripes he received. I, I think uh, Mel Gibson's movie The Passion of the Christ is probably accurate on how uh, how gruesomely Jesus was scourged. And, uh, you know, when you watch that scourging scene in the movie, they take the, the those cat of nine tails that have the pieces of uh, metal and, and bone a whip with, with those uh, leather thongs and glass and metal and bone and, and hooks and things that just rip the flesh off your back. The Bible says that he was marred more than any man. Um, you know, the, the devil, here's the thing that's kind of interesting. So the devil tried to keep Jesus from the cross. We kind of wonder, does the devil want it? Does he want Jesus crucified or not want Jesus crucified? The devil tried to keep Jesus from the cross, uh, because Peter in Matthew chapter 16, when the Lord says he's going to the cross and be crucified and rise on the third day, Peter pulled him aside and said, he rebuked him and said, this will never happen to you. Um, you know, God forbid that this should happen to you. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. You're setting your sights on man's interests, not God's. So he calls Peter Satan. Obviously that he was in league with Satan in that phrase and in that statement, this will never happen to you. So I think the devil went from wanting to keep Jesus from the cross, but when it was clear that Jesus was going to the cross, then he wants to inflict as much pain and suffering as possible to get Jesus to give up and to quit. But Jesus wouldn't quit. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so the suffering of Jesus began in the garden as he sweat drops of blood and said, Father, if, the, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But the, the payment for our sins that the Bible talks about is on the cross where God put all of our sins upon Jesus and he died upon a tree. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree and the Lord took the curse of our sin. It began in the garden. It intensified greatly when he was scourged before Pilate, but it was culminated at the cross when he died on the cross for you and for me. So thank you, Frank, for calling in. Thank you for that question. We have Joseph from Texas. Joseph, welcome to the broadcast today. Hi there. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing very good. Um, I have so many questions. I don't even know which one to ask. Um, but I guess I could just ask the, I guess I could ask the question that's more controversial. Um, I've been in uh, Christian chat rooms and we're talking about um, salvation and I've been reading through the Bible, and, and um, you know, when Jesus was ministering to, to his disciples and to people, um, a lot of his parables were about, you know, heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. And um, 
a lot of Christians today, I, I use parables like of the, the virgins, the ten virgins, and some of the virgins were, weren't able to get in. And so my question is basically, should we, should we confront Christians or other people about, you know, once saved, always saved? Because Jesus said to his disciples, you know, um, or, or sorry, the disciples said to Jesus, who then can be saved? You know, because uh, people that ate and drink with Jesus, Jesus will say to them, or, or God will say to them, I never knew you. And these are people that he knew, that knew Jesus. Yes. So you can know Jesus like the, the people, the, he knew the Pharisees and the Pharisees knew him, but they knew him through the flesh. They didn't have a personal relationship with him spiritually. That's what he means when he says in Matthew chapter 7, depart from me, I never knew you. We never had a connection. You were never mine. That's what that means. And uh, the parable, Jesus does give a lot of warnings uh, in the scripture. And the, the warning is, you know, make sure about his calling and choosing you. Second Peter chapter 1, uh, you don't want to be uh, deceived about that. You don't want to think you're you're fine when you're not. And Paul said to the Corinthians um, that that they needed to uh, examine themselves, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. This is Second Corinthians thirteen five. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you by His Spirit, unless indeed you fail the test. And so it is in, in very important for us to be sure that we've given our hearts to Christ, that we belong to him. Now, remember that the passage that you talked about where the, the uh, disciples said to Jesus, well, then who can be saved? Because Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, the disciples have been taught their whole life that riches are a sign of God's blessing. That's when Jesus, why when Jesus told the the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and Lazarus, this poor beggar covered in sores, the dogs would lick him. That the twist of that story is Lazarus goes to heaven, to Abraham's bosom, a place of comfort, and the rich man goes to Hades, a place of torment. I'm in agony in this flame, he says. Well, that would blow their minds because it was like, wait a minute. Uh, we've always been taught that riches show God's favor. And so the rich man should have immediately gone to, to be in, in heaven. He should have gone to Abraham's bosom. But here's the, the reality. For a rich person, just like the rich young ruler, the tendency is to trust in your riches. And uh, that's why Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. He'll either love the one and hate the other. He'll cling to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, God and money, God and wealth, God and riches. You can't do that. And that is the default American idol. That is the thing that comes in. We uh, Are we going to trust God and worship God and use our money to further his kingdom? Or are we going to trust in money and use God in some form or fashion? Um, you can't do both. And so we need to serve God. And that's, that's why the disciples were shocked. Wow, who can be saved? Because I thought riches showed that you were being blessed of God. No, what, what the, the attitude once saved, always saved, that's not a Baptist doctrine. That's a Bible doctrine. 
But the big question is, have you truly been saved? Because unless you've truly been saved, there is no security for you. Um, the, the only people that go to heaven are those who have been saved. And the evidence of salvation is a desire to grow in the Lord and uh, a, an attitude that's different towards sin. That's how I knew I was saved um, because my attitude towards sin, all of a sudden it became totally different than it was. And, uh, and your life changes. Sometimes people say, well, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. How do you know that you're a Christian? Here's how I put it. So suppose I moved into your house and, and, and I'm living in your house. How long would it take before you recognize, okay, something's different because Pastor Jeff is now living here. And if I'm not, I'm not a guest in your home, I've come to live in your house. It's not like I'm there for two days. It's like, okay, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life in your home. I mean, you would know, and that's just me, a person. If the God of the universe comes to live in your heart and life, how would you not know it? He comes not to choose you, to take your side. He comes to take over. He doesn't sleep in the guest room. He says, I'm the master. I'm taking the master bedroom. Things are going to be different. You are now under new management. It's impossible to not know. Now, the devil can try and get us to doubt that. But here's the thing. The acid test of Christianity, has your life been changed? Has your life been changed? It's easier to see when you get saved at an older age or, you know, for me, 17. Well, I had a lot of before Christ. If you get saved at the age of seven, it's harder to see that because you've just kind of been immersed in Christianity. Perhaps your parents took you to church. And so it's harder to see the change, but there's a desire to please God. There's a desire to grow in the Lord that wouldn't be there without his presence. So Joseph, thanks so much for, uh, for, uh, calling in today for asking that great question. Uh, you can contact me at Pastor Jeff at fromhisheart.org, Pastor Jeff at fromhisheart.org, uh, if you'd like uh, some more information about that. We have uh, Terry from Texas on the line. Terry, go ahead. You're on the broadcast. Well, it's a coincidence. Just on Monday, I was talking to a minister about this very topic of building a Christian character. I just casually said, I said, well, Rome wasn't made it in a day, neither will a Christian. That's exactly right. Uh, it takes time. It takes practice. It takes time with the Lord. And uh, so I appreciate that. That's a, that's a great quote. I had a guy in my church. He's in heaven now, uh, Dr. Bill Shields. And he used to always tell me when I first came on, uh, on as pastor at First Baptist Texarkana, and he knew that uh, the Lord was was using me to make changes. He said, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. He would tell me that all the time. Rome wasn't built in a day. So uh, cool your jets. Just keep doing the right things and just know it takes time. It takes time to grow. It takes time to see a church change. Um, and, and if a church has been uh, maybe going in the kind of an off direction. It's going to take time. You can't turn a, a big church on a dime. It takes time to turn a big ocean liner, but consistent behavior over time uh, causes people to trust and it causes uh, wonderful changes to take place. So 
We've been talking today about growing in the Lord. And listen, let me just encourage you, wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus, if you've truly been saved, I can promise you this, God wants you to grow. The, the command from the Lord to his children, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. You are my children. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Walk with me. Walk in the light with me. God in his light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Hey, we need to get serious about our relationship with Jesus. We need to really evaluate, how are we living? Is this pleasing to the Lord? See, when he comes to, to move into our house, so to speak, comes to live in our lives, we can't have rooms in our, in our heart, in our life that say, well, Lord, that's my, that's my social life room and you, that's off limits to you. I'm not going to let you in there. That's my business life room, Lord. Uh, do not disturb. We put, you know, like at a, at a hotel, you put, put that uh, little thing on the door handle. Do not disturb. Don't come in here. Uh, we do that with the Lord. Do not disturb, Lord, because I don't want to change this, um, my social life, my business life, uh, whatever it might be. Well, the Lord has to be free. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Set him apart as Lord so that he's the master. And, and turn over every key to every room in your heart and say, Lord, you change me and make me the person you want me to be. And we all have things we struggle with, but we turn that over to the Lord and we say, Lord, help me. I don't want to be uh, dominated by worry. I don't want to be dominated by fear. I don't want to be dominated by greed or by lust uh, or by selfishness. I want to be dominated by your spirit. I want you to be glorified in me. So let me encourage you today, spend time in the word of God, be honest before the Lord, let him change you and make you the person he wants you to be. Rome wasn't built in a day, as our last caller said, it takes time. And as you practice and spend time with the Lord, what you'll see is you will grow and people will notice and your life will be used by God to be a blessing. I look forward to being with you next time. Make it a great day. God bless you. Thank you.